Good morning. Time for the farm show here at the Shank of the Day on Wax 104.5. As Jill and Krista and myself, Bob Bosol, bring you the news and agriculture around the area, around Wisconsin, around the nation, and around the world as part of the Midwest Farm Report family. We've got markets, 13 first alert weather. We'll look at all kinds of calendar items and what's going on in the world of agriculture. Again, it's time for the farm show on Wax 104.5. What a morning. We've checked the weather and 28 in Medford, 54 in Milwaukee. So it's one of those days, depending on where you are, you might like it a little better than in other places. Today around here, it'll get about 58. With sun early, then clouds moving in, northwest winds, so it's going to get cold. 58 the high today, 22 the high tomorrow. So again, it's Wisconsin. If you don't like the weather, wait a little while and It'll change, and that's just exactly what we're doing. Bob and Jill with you this morning. What's the update on the calf count at the Welke Land and Cattle Company? We're stuck at one. Stuck at one. Holy man. we got more that are uh, <laughs> in the shed ready to go? Yep, I've got one more that's just ready to go. She's waiting, and all signs say go. So I'm thinking with the weather changes that we will have a calf before too long. All righty, so uh, that's a good thing. Hopefully, if you're... Uh, doing some calving that you uh, got the proper facilities because again as we said it's 58 today it's 22 tomorrow so again these uh, calves are pretty fragile critters fruits and vegetables you like them we've got a story about uh, where most of them come from and unfortunately uh, not from here numbers on the corn crop precision agriculture and also we're going to get an uh, update on Allison Dairyland here later on this week. Jill, what's the, the latest on the Alice? What are we up to? 75, 76? Is Ashley Hagenau 75 or 76? 76. All Ashley right. Hagenau is the 76th. But the 77th Allison Dairyland top candidates are going to be announced on Friday at 1130 at the Landmark Resort in Egg Harbor, Wisconsin. And That's I over actually, in Door County. I actually looked where it is. It's like almost up onto the end of the thumb. Yep. Well, Door County is where it's going to be held this year. It should be a lot of fun up in Door County for the Allison Dairyland program. So, again, looking for the 77th Alice already. Boy, that that year certainly goes fast as we uh, have a new Allison Dairyland that will take over in July. They changed that, which I think is a good thing, so the current Alice can go to all the June Dairy Month activities. Also, today is the 27th of February, a big day for Gouda cheese. The House of Gouda is turning one today. You can go and have a complimentary charcuterie in a cup, and that's on Commonwealth Avenue in Eau Claire. There's cheese tastings, local vendors, and giveaways, and 10% off your purchase. Yeah, it's just uh, behind, up above the uh, Oakwood Mall, up there by Best Buy, and right across the road from Applebee's. Yep. It's easy to find in Eau Claire. So uh, I talked to uh, Marika last week at the Security Financial Bank's Chippewa Valley Ag Expo, which, again, we want to compliment Security Financial Bank on putting on a First class, a number one ag conference. And if you missed it, you missed a good one because uh, I'll tell you, they pulled out all the stops as far as speakers and uh, everything that they did on Florian Gardens at uh, Security Financial Bank uh, did it first class. That is for sure. But Marika was there and I had a chance to talk to her. Oh, I'll be there. So she'll be there today if you want to meet Marika. And she is 
quite a personality. So you want to talk to uh, Marika as well. And speaking of cheese, later on this morning, I'm going to get a chance to talk to the chief judge at the upcoming World Cheese Championships. Of course, that's March 5th, 6th, and 7th. That'll be down at the Monona Terrace down in Madison, just about three blocks below the Capitol building. So if you're looking to take a little break before you get busy with the spring work, get on to Madison for two or three days, and you can, the first two days, the fifth and the sixth, the cheese judging is open to the public. It's free, and just walk in at the Monona Terrace. And you can see cheeses from, I believe, 33 countries, maybe more. I'll find out from Jim Mueller later on this morning how many cheeses are there and from which countries. But it'll be about 39 or 40 states, 33 countries, 3,000-plus varieties of cheese, yogurt, and butter. It's a comprehensive. It's only done every two years. So it'll be a big time down at Monona Terrace. But again, like I said, it's about three blocks down below the Capitol building. On the Capitol Square, just off the Capitol Square, where Lake Monona comes into uh, into that side of town. And, you know, spend a day at the cheese judging, take another part of another day, and go through the state capitol. If you've never been through our state capitol, you're missing something because it is a very special building. It is a, it is a capitol building. It's not an office building that, like, some states have, like, a glorified office building for their state capitol. Ours is a true capital building, and it's very much worth seeing if you haven't done it already. A lot of the museums, the Civil War Museum way up on the top, we used to go there as kids, and it's a beautiful, beautiful building. You've been there, haven't you? Well, you were there last week for the Ag Day at the Capitol with the FFA. Yes, I've been there twice for Ag Day at the Capitol, and then I used to chaperone my kids in fourth grade when they went down there. Yeah, it is It is worth it. Or if you can't make it now, chaperone some groups of kids going down there. Because if you've never been to the state capitol, it's worth the trip, that's for sure. So we've got a lot to talk about today as we uh, move through our efforts. We'll talk about corn yields in Wisconsin. Tomorrow we'll delve into soybean yields and all kinds of things. It's a busy week getting Eau Claire Farm Show ready to go. That's March 5th and 6th as well. It's a busy time in agriculture. Keeping it rural. Markets, lots of market numbers to take a look at this morning. But before we forget, again, so many things going on. The Eau Claire Farm Show is going on March 5th and 6th. That'll be out at the, uh, well, Menards Old Mill Center, the Eau Claire Convention Center, they call it out there. But also, coming up over in central Wisconsin, we've got the central Wisconsin RV and Camping Show. And that's over the weekend, March 8th. 9th and 10th, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday at the Central Wisconsin Convention Expo and uh, Cedar Creek Mall over in Wausau. And we've got some tickets to give away. Jill, how's this work? Well, you need to email waxbob at gmail.com and I'll send you out VIP passes for the convention center. All right. And so first come, first serve. We don't have a lot, but we have a few. So if you're over in central Wisconsin or if you're wherever you're at and you want to go to that show, March 8th, 9th, and 10th over in Wausau, again, it's the central Wisconsin RV and camping show. Just uh, send a request. And when you send a request, obviously send us your address so we know, how to send, know where to send those tickets. But uh, waxbob at gmail. Dot com market numbers. Jill Cash Livestock. Choice fed beef steers are one seventy eight to one eighty eight. 
with mixed years 155 to 177. Choice fed beef heifers are 175 to 192 with mixed heifers 134 to 177. Finished dairy cross steers and heifers are 150 to 181 with choice fed Holstein steers 155 to 162 and select and silage fed steers 112 to 154. Cows are 84 to 113 with a top of 145. Bulls are 115 to 133. Butcher hogs are 35 to 64 with sows at 30 to 36 and boars at 16 to 21. Shorn and unshorn market lambs are 140 to 188. Feeder lambs are 150 to 315 with ewes at 50 to 150. Small goats are 10 to $170. Medium goats are $125 to $230. Large goats are $190 to $260 with nanny goats at $75 to $195. At the Mercantile Exchange on Monday, live cattle were higher, feeder cattle lower, hogs were mixed. We've got February live cattle, $185.72. That was up 12. April at $188.10. That was up 20 cents. June up 22 at $184.10. And August up 20 at $183.20. March feeder cattle down $1.52 at $253.05. April feeders down $1.07 at $258.90. May down a half a dollar at $261.57. August down 52 at $270.35. And September down a dollar at 270.55. Hogs were mixed. April was lower, down 92 at 86.27. May down a dime at 90.75. June hogs up 47 at 99.85. And the July hogs up 35 at $100.55 a hundred. Board of Trade a little higher yesterday. Just a big trading volume is why the trade was higher. Nothing to push the markets real high because we're still looking at some of the lowest prices of corn and beans in about the last three years overnight. Moving out now to July. The July corn contract overnight up three cents at 436. The oats unchanged 359. July wheat up two at 579. Soybeans up 14 cents at 1169 for July. And meal up 460 a ton at $336. Barrel cheese up five and a half yesterday, a dollar sixty-seven. Blocks up four cents, a dollar fifty-nine. Butter unchanged, two eighty-five. February class three was down two, sixteen twelve. March up twenty-seven at seventeen fifty-eight. April stopped at eighteen dollars even, up fifteen cents. May up nine at eighteen twenty-five, and June up eight at eighteen sixty. As uh, prices through the end of the year were mixed for those class three prices. And coming up, corn in Wisconsin. Who produced what? We'll take a look. Let's take a look at what's going on as far as the world of agriculture is concerned. And the corn numbers in Wisconsin, Jill, what do they look like for last year's crop? Well, the USDA released the Wisconsin 2023 corn for grain yields amounts last week. Dane County produced the most corn for grain with 30 million bushels. Grant, Lafayette, Rock, Dodge and Columbia counties all produced more than 20 million bushels last year. In our area, Dunn County produced 16.9 million bushels, St. Croix 16.3 million, Pierce 15.3 million, Chippewa 12.3 million, Buffalo 10.3 million, Clark 8.2 million, and Eau Claire almost 7.4 million bushels. Lafayette County led all counties with yields of 210 bushels per acre in 2023. But 
10 other Wisconsin counties averaged over 190 bushels per acre. Pierce County averaged 200 bushels per acre, with Buffalo coming in at 186.2 bushels per acre, and Dunn and Pepin counties averaging 182.9 bushels per acre. Average corn yield for grain for the whole state last year was 176 bushels per acre. And Marathon County led the state in corn silage production in 2023 with over 1.3 million tons, with Buffalo County leading all counties with an average yield of 24.5 tons per acre. The state average for corn silage was 21 tons per acre last year. And we'll take a look at uh, soybean numbers tomorrow, but uh, that's a lot of numbers to digest this early in the morning, but uh, really and truly a pretty good corn crop. And for folks that think, uh, well, we can do it all ourselves, we don't need outside help, and on and on we go, fruits and vegetables tell a different story. They absolutely do. And Mexico's fruit and vegetable growers are learning to adapt to U.S. food safety standards to grow their exports into our country. In 2011, the United States passed the Food Safety Modernization Act, which covers the safety of the entire U.S. food supply chain, no matter where that product is grown, whether it's U.S. or foreign soil. Because of the act's new requirements for food safety, Mexico's horticulture companies made changes to equipment invested in new infrastructure, and implemented new techniques for food testing. U.S. food and, U.S. fruit and vegetable imports from Mexico have doubled in volume since 2011, and the value of those imports increased from about $3.5 billion to about $17.6 billion. Mexico supplies almost two-thirds of U.S. vegetable imports and about half of U.S. fruit and tree nut imports. We, um, whether you like it or not, we get a lot of stuff from Mexico, and I know people say it's, you know, did some tremendous damage to the Florida tomato industry and South Texas tomato industry, and uh, that's the uh, trade agreement, USMCA trade agreement, that uh, we have in place now. It was uh, put in place... During the Trump administration, and uh, now we're we're working with it across uh, the various various countries of Canada, the U.S. and Mexico. They keep numbers for everything, and I always find this. Uh, I didn't even realize this. Wisconsin trout production worth a million and a half dollars in trout sales last year, and uh, that was down 18 percent from 2022 sales of trout 12 inches longer. Totaled uh, $1,242,000. That's the bulk of the sales, 12-inch trout and long, and that's down 26% from 2022. So, uh, yeah, from 2022. But interesting, uh, the different types of agriculture and aquaculture we have in this country and uh, in this state alone, and there's a lot of it. Coming up, potatoes. Lots of potatoes grown in Wisconsin and Central Sands. Up around Rice Lake, there are potatoes everywhere, and potato storage. You know, you put them in your closet. I do. I put them in my pantry, and 
All of a sudden, they go to get a potato, and it's starting to sprout, and they get soft, and potato storage is a challenge. We'll talk about that on a on a major growing and, and storage scale as we move forward this morning. We're looking at that coming up as uh, we're going to hear from Mike Copas and his potato operation and how he stores them in these challenging weather conditions. Agriculture. It's a Wisconsin way of life. If you're like me, then these unseasonably warm temperatures have thrown a wrench in your winter plans. But they've also kept agriculture on its toes. I'm Stephanie Hoff from the southern end of the world's longest barn in Madison. Temperature fluctuations can pose challenges for the potato crop, both when it's in the ground and right now while those spuds are in storage. Agronomist Mike Kopis with Waisaki Family of Companies in the Central Sands says the forecast dictates the survival rate of pests and diseases over the winter. It also influences the quality of potatoes in storage. He surprised me with just how much monitoring they have to do with those stored tubers. We've struggled a little bit because we want things to be stored at about 40 degrees. And so when you have temperatures above 40, uh, we have to keep the doors closed. And so the potatoes can't get fresh air then. And so that becomes a challenge. Now, we have had cool nights, and so it, it hasn't impacted us as much as if we had a very cold winter. So if when we have a very cold winter, we can't let the really cold air into the storages. And so we have to we have to minimize the amount of time, and, which means we don't get oxygen into the potatoes. And the potatoes are alive. They're, they're living and breathing, and so they need oxygen just like we do. If it's real cold, we have to shut that off. If it's real warm, we can't allow the piles to, to warm up. And so that causes them to uh, uh, go downhill in terms of uh, the quality and, and some of the diseases it favors when they warm up. So we want to hold them at that 40 degree temperature for fresh market as long as we possibly can because we have to pack potatoes all the way out to the 1st of August. And so they have to be pretty cold even going into the summer months so that we can retain that cold and, and keep them from sprouting and, and keep delivering to the packing sheds in the stores. So For folks who have potatoes maybe stored in their basements or, or something you know, from the grocery store, can you give us a visual comparison of what might be happening to a potato in warm weather as if it was happening like in someone's home? Like What does that look like? In somebody's home, you're obviously at like room temperature. You're probably above 60 degrees. Maybe you have them in the basement where it's a little cooler. Um, but it really comes down to uh, when in the season it, it, it is. And so when they when we harvest the potatoes in the fall, they still have dormancy. They're, they're dormant. They're not going to grow. Um, but then once you get into this time of year, January and February, uh, those potatoes are looking forward to the new season. And so they want to grow. And so they're ready and prepared. And so they need signals. They need warmth. They need light. Some of those kind of things are telling them, hey, it's time to grow. And so when you have those in a home setting, those are the things we're trying to minimize in a storage. We want to keep it dark and cold. And so the, th- the best thing you can do at home is keep them dark and cold, really. And, and uh, you're not going to change the, the path of biology. They're, they're still going to do that. And so maybe as you get further out, uh, it's a little harder to do that. But eventually, yeah, they're, they're going to grow. And so it's just about keeping that at bay as long as you can. So warm weather could be problematic. What about really cold weather? Like when we had that week of, you know, below zero temperatures, does that ever become problematic if we see that again? It does become problematic if it's an extended period of time. That was only like seven days that we had of cold weather. And so we were still able to open the doors enough and get fresh air into those piles. 
what really comes to bear is when we have two, three, four weeks of extended cold weather where we have to add heat to the piles to keep them at that 40 degree temperature or we have to get CO2 because they're breathing, get the CO2 out of the systems. That means we have the doors open. That means cold air is getting in and we can't risk freezing those potatoes. And it's even more so for uh, outside of fresh market when you get into processed varieties for potato chips, whether it be for french fries, those we have to store even warmer than 40. So in some cases, uh, uh, potato chips have to store at 50 or 52 degrees. Well, that presents even more challenges. Um, and then the other thing is, is as you add heat, you also have heaters that are adding carbon dioxide to the pile. So you're supplementing even more because you're having to warm the pile. So there's a number of challenges that come with long extended periods of cold temperatures. How advanced is a uh, potato storage facility? You talk about uh, opening and closing doors, but is it more advanced than that? Is it a ventilation system? Oh yeah, there's 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 very advanced in terms of ventilation systems. Uh, typically, we pile potatoes to about f- anywhere between 14 and 18 feet in height, and so there's you have to push air up through. Uh, a lot of our systems have pipes or culverts that have holes in them that we push air through those culverts. Uh, now the new technology has gone to uh, air floors. It's almost like like you see in grain bins, uh, where you push air through a slotted floor and then the, the air pushes up through the pile. And so that's how we're managing the air within the piles in those new storages. And the other thing is, is we used to be all manually driven. If you had to go and, and do something in the potato storage, you had to go and physically do it by hand. Now I do it all from my phone. And, and so, and the, the bins themselves, uh, are loaded with sensors that are telling us the, the metrics of the pile. Like, what's the pile doing? How it's behaving? Uh, so we can track oxygen, CO2, temperature, all those different things are real-time on our phone so that we can respond to them. So the management is is much more involved than it was when we were doing it by hand. We didn't touch on seed potatoes. The potatoes that are going to be used for the crop this spring. What's the status report on this year's crop? Seed potatoes are in good shape this year. We had a, we had an excellent season for seed potatoes. We didn't have a lot of stress. Uh, we didn't have a lot of water stress. Water stress tends to be uh, one of the biggest factors in storability uh, because often Wisconsin gets too much water. Uh, and so actually when Wisconsin gets uh, droughtier seasons where we don't have as much rain, um, we have center pivot irrigation, which allows us to manage the water uh, to the ideal rate of what what those potatoes need. And so there wasn't a lot of stress. Um, the temperatures, while they've been warm, haven't been too warm. And so uh, that's probably been the biggest challenge is in seed is, is keeping those pile temperatures because uh, when I talked about fresh market, we hold them at, at 40 degrees. Uh, seed is, is much cooler, uh, much cooler being like 37 or 38 degrees. Uh, so we're approaching freezing, but not quite. Um, but again, far different from where processed potatoes would be at 48 or 50 degrees. And again, one thing I didn't know, I didn't know you stored them for different uses at different temperatures. Did you know that? I did not know that. Well, it, you know, you got the old fruit cellar, you throw them in the fruit cellar in the old houses, and uh, that's what you do. Whether you're going to cut them and plant them or next spring or eat them. So interesting, Mike Copas, potato storage in erratic weather. There is there is a science to storing potatoes, as you might expect. And Rocky will be on there, too, with his report, because he's with us right now from over at Premier Livestock and with him. Morning, Rocky. Well, how many, uh, let me get the right uh, right pot up here. There you go. They got it covered on me. 
So how you doing this morning, Rocky? Doing great. Doing right. great. So how many horses did you buy your kids last Friday? Uh, zero. zero. <laughs> That's why I make sure they don't go to those sales. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they can run them up in a hurry. That is yeah, for they, sure. But, uh, they can ride any one of our cows they want to. There you go. That's a lot, <laughs> lot more fun anyway. Uh, the ride isn't as long, but, but it is fun. A little uh, more profitable. At least you can break even. Yeah, that's for sure. <laughs> Hopefully, Well, you better be able to do more than that now with this market. What's going on? Uh, thank you, Bob. Uh, good morning, everyone. Uh, this is how yesterday, Monday's livestock auction shaped up. We sold almost 1,400 head yesterday. Uh, like I said, guys, about every day it's a little bit stronger, so the good news there. Uh, strong across the board yesterday, uh, your fed cattle, uh, high choice and prime Holstein fed steers from 155 to 166, uh, selects 147 to 154, your choice beef steers and heifers 165 to 175, market cows very strong, many cows from 95 to 114, those higher yielding cows from 115 to 125, and your premium cows from 126 all the way up to 135, very, very strong. Uh, market bulls high yielding from a dollar ten to a dollar thirty five. Organic market cows sold Mondays and Tuesdays uh, from one twenty five to one fifty nine. Calf market uh, once again a little stronger again. Newborn Holstein bull calves mostly three fifty to six sixty five. Hundreds of Holstein calves. 550 to 650. Like I said, up to 665 on the Holsteins, your beef, dairy, cross, bulls, and heifers from 500 to 895. Lots and lots of calves, 750 to 850. Holstein heifer calves, 300 and down. Today, Tuesday, uh, we do have our special uh, monthly dairy heifer auction. If you're looking for dairy heifers, you're selling dairy heifers, always one of the best sales we offer. Uh, we're going to sell four or 500 head of heifers. Open, bred, and springing. A little nicer run of springing heifers uh, for the sale today. We sell the bred heifers first. Uh, that starts at 11. I uh, do have 30 springing heifers real fancy off one dairy. We're expecting over 100 bred heifers. Uh, please try to have the heifers in if you're bringing them this morning by 9 o'clock a.m. for preg checks. And then tomorrow, Wednesday, uh, we'll have our hay auction at 9.30, uh, dairy cattle auction at 11. Most of the groups uh, for Wednesday are top-notch fresh cows, uh, mostly parlor-free stall and some of them will be registered uh like said uh questions on marketing your livestock give us a call at premier at 715-229-2500 uh reminder friday that'll be our last day this week to bring equipment for the march 15th machinery auction and thursday morning will be the last deadline to make for the papers to get in the ad so get that equipment in this week we will not be taking any equipment in on saturday so please don't bring that it'll just be till friday and uh we're we're really full uh we got lots of equipment there um like so you can see the full listing on our website and then get in on to uh equipment facts get a little more view we do have a lot of pictures to enter yet so appreciate your patience there um but uh yeah we got lots of selection if you're looking for it we probably have it so that's how it's shaping up bob all right and a busy day over there on the ides of march huh oh yeah yep yep it's busy busy all so, right have a good one rocky enjoy it you too thank you bob there he goes. That's Rocky Olson over there. Premier Livestock in the Withy area. Well, let's get into the newsroom, shall we, and check in with Morgan McCarthy. Morning, Morgan. Hey, good morning, guys. And I was just talking to Mike Dandry about if anybody's going camping this weekend. I was, do you camp? You're not, you're not much of a camper, are you? Uh, not too much. I like to shower. 
I've, I've never <laughs> never been uh, too much for the camping. You don't want to dive in a cold lake or a cold river to cool to uh, clean up, huh? Maybe when I was younger, but not. Nah, no, these days I, I like a good hot shower too much. Well, there's nothing wrong with that. That's for sure. But, uh, boy, there'll be people out doing it this weekend, I'm sure. Well, my uh, daughter and her friends, they kind of do a hybrid thing. So we have one of those big trampolines in the yard. Yeah, yeah. And so when she has friends over and stuff, they'll always want to sleep on the trampoline. That's the big thing. They want to cr- go camping on the trampoline and bring the sleeping bags and all the pillows from the house and have drag you got them that, out there. Have you got that thing up already? Yeah, it's been up. She She's out there jumping on it pretty much really? year-round, as a matter of fact. Yeah. You do that, I can see you doing spinners and yeah. somersaults and all that stuff. Well, they don't get it very warm. The last time they tried sleeping out there all night, they ran in squealing by 10 saying they saw <laughs> UFOs. So we'll, we'll try again this year. Well, out in that part of the world, I believe them. <laughs> see weirder things than that. That's right. right. That's for sure. What's going on? Well, good morning. We're going to start with headlines that keep us pretty close to our area. And that begins on campus. We're going to talk a little bit about UW-Eau Claire asking that a racial discrimination lawsuit be dismissed. The university responding yesterday to a lawsuit from a former interim director at the Office of Multicultural Student Services, Rochelle Hoffman, saying she was removed from her job at that new office in early 2022 because of racial issues as she's white. Hoffman says she was told she was being resigned for personal and professional safety, though the UW Eau Claire denies that ever happened, showing you different sides so you can decide. You can see more online, 715newsroom.com. Well, we look closer at the healthcare landscape in the Chippewa Valley. Of course, the closure is looming for HSHS and Prevea clinics. What does that mean? We're going to look at numbers a little bit more now as public health managers shared those numbers of what that means. As Sacred Heart and St. Joe's handle anywhere from just under to just over a third of hospitalizations, inpatient surgeries, and ER visits. Meanwhile, Mayo in Eau Claire handles the majority of all care. Marshfield Clinic's coming in a close third. So losing Sacred Heart in specifics means more than one. 100 hospital beds and will leave many people looking for new hospitals as those closures are set for mid-April and the process to solutions continues to move forward. In other headlines, Mother Nature dishing out a little bit of a one-two punch as we take the roller coaster ride, but that also leads the DNR to wildfire warnings across large parts of the state. As the DNR yesterday warned people about a lack of snow cover and a growing fire danger, of course, we were seeing a lot of high winds kick up as well and dry brush across the state. Responding to about 55 fires so far. The DNR says it's burned a total of 160 acres. And there is a burn ban in place in 25 of our 72 state counties. And sometimes you just don't feel like cooking supper. Hey, we get it. Get a bowl, get a spoon, get some milk, and guess who has a suggestion for you? When I say cereal, you say dinner. Cereal. Dinner! Cereal. Dinner! Kellogg's CEO Gary Pilnick says people should eat cereal for dinner to save money on soaring food costs. He told CNBC last week that it's much more affordable and helps out when consumers are under pressure. Kellogg's has been pushing cereal for dinner since 2022 when it started a campaign with the tagline, Give Chicken the Night Off. Chicken! You can uh, have the night off, chicken. Oh, okay, I'll go marinate. Cereal! Dinner! Cereal! Dinner! I'm Michael Kastner. You might imagine a message like that coming from Kellogg on the high up, right? Best part of the cereal, though, that's got to be the milk, and we have to get it before we can pour it. Head back to the barn with Bob Bolsold, Joe Welkie, and your Midwest Farm Report. Well, i got to ask, what's your favorite cereal? You know, I like a good fashion bowl of cornflakes. I'm so pretty classic. So yeah, do I. It's pretty classic. Not I'll- the frosted flakes, the 
Corn no, flake, yeah. I can tell you though, I never thought of this, but my middle niece, who's got the sweetest tooth of anybody I know, yeah. she was left to her own devices and they have a breakfast at school so they can choose their own cereal and that kind of thing. So she would take um, Cocoa Krispies, which is like chocolate rice Krispies. Yep, yep. And with mom not around, guess who decided to grab that chocolate milk carton, <laughs> pour that on. So she had chocolate <laughs> Cocoa Krispies with chocolate milk. Nothing wrong with that. Yeah, and the teachers then had to deal with her the rest of the day, I suppose, right? Well, there's nothing Charged wrong with that. Up on sugar. Yeah, boy, that makes me hungry. I just bought I just bought some Cheerios yesterday, the day before, and so try chocolate milk on them, Bob. That could be no, something. No, I Branch love chocolate milk, bit. but not on my Cheerios. <laughs> See you later. You bet. There goes Morgan in the newsroom this morning. Jill, what's your favorite cereal? Cinnamon Toast Crunch. Is it really? Jerry Clark is with us, Professor Jerry Clark. So, uh, what's your favorite cereal? Um, I'd have to go with the Honey Nut Cheerios. Yep. <laughs> you like Honey Nut Cheerios? Yep. I like the. I like them bare naked, just bare naked <laughs> Cheerios. <laughs> but uh, to each their own. But uh, as kids, we love to have cereal for dinner, for supper. But, uh, you know, I don't know the recommendation there. I don't think. Mom, what's for supper? <laughs> Cheerios or cornflakes or frosted flakes, whatever. To each their own devices. All right, Jerry Clark is here. We've got more news. We've got calendar. It's a busy, busy Tuesday morning. Once again, as we look at uh, things going on, I don't think it's quite as busy a week this week. This is leap year week, of course, uh, Thursday with the 29th of February. But again, the Central Wisconsin RV and Camping Show, we want to mention that, March 8th through the 10th. And uh, that's going on over in Central Wisconsin, Central Wisconsin Convention Expo at the uh, Cedar Creek Mall in Wausau. And we've we have some tickets to give away, and uh, not a lot, but it's first come, first serve. Send us an email to waxbob at gmail.com, and please put your address on there so we can uh, send them out to you. But uh, get that done. And Farm Show, March 5th and 6th. Jill, closer to this date, what else is going on? Well, there's the cheese and cheese contest down in Madison. That's the 5th through the 7th. Mm-hmm. And we've got World Cheese Championships. The World Cheese Champion. And the House of Gouda is turning one, and that celebration is today. That over at the House of Gouda in Eau Claire, uh, behind the Oakwood Mall by Applebee's. And so, uh, again, things are happening. We're going to talk to the uh, chief judge of the World Cheese Championships here later this morning. We'll share that with you later on. Jerry Clark, Chippewa County, Dunn County, Eau Claire County, Crops and Soils agent, professor at the University of Wisconsin. I always like to get that in there because I, <laughs> I, I think that's neat. That's a good thing. Professor, did Knapp ever get to be a professor? Yes, he was. Was he a professor yes, too? Yes, he was a professor. Okay, yep. well, good. Well, yep. we've got, uh, we have top-notch agents here in our part of the country. Hey, one of the things that, that you see, obviously, is bare fields out there. And, you know, we want to always get started early with everything. What about spreading manure? I know manure applicators have been having meetings and conferences and everything else. What's been the recommendation? Yeah, no, be careful. Yeah, I think, um, you know, manure application can always occur. It's the the permitted farms that have a permit with the DNR. There's usually a no spreading uh, season from April 1st to March 31st. And the, the definition of winter is frozen and snow covered. And so that's no winter spreading. So now... How deep is the frost? What I, I, I mean, I go out and I don't see I don't frost. think it's there. Uh, um, I don't think it is either. We get these rainfalls and the, it goes on the ground. So yeah. I don't think we... Whatever rain we've had recently. Yeah, really. But, um, so none, I don't think there's this week, that's much for sure. frozen there. Um, 
So the question that we've received at a few of these, the, the couple trainings we've done already with the manure applicators has been, uh, can we get out there because it's not frozen, it's not snow covered? And that hasn't been determined yet that there can be an application with the permitted farms. Now, those that are non-permitted, uh, there's there's nothing preventing you from putting it out there. It's just make sure you're getting it where it, because we can still get snow yet and oh, run off. And I think we and will. And snow melt and, and rain, heavy rains and these kind of things. So the, the, the sooner, if you can get it incorporated or how that's going to get worked into or injected into the soil, that's going to keep that uh, manure from running off. So that's our biggest issue. Wisconsin uh, nutrient management recommendations, there's nothing about the timing of the manure in terms of season. You're going to get the same amount of nitrogen, whether it's fall or spring spread, it's whether it's injected or incorporated versus surface applied. There is a difference in the amount of nutrients because you're going to lose more to ammonia, some volatilization of the nitrogen, those kind of things. But timing-wise, if it's not a permitted farm, you can still be applying out there. I would think with uh, more use of, of cover crops and uh, without a lot of fall tillage, we have fall tillage all the time, but uh, where you still got some crop stubble out there, those would be a little safer fields. Yeah, those would. Uh, yes, absolutely, Bob. And then the more the more level fields. There's there's places yeah, oh, if yeah. you need to select certain places if your storage. And one thing we're finding out is the storage uh, facilities aren't as full because we haven't had the rain and the snow melt that usually adds maybe a, a couple of feet or something That's of good point. of actual moisture in yeah. the, into these open lagoons. So there may be less volume right now, which might be able to help uh, get us through to the next uh, to the application season which would be April 1st. So that's been the question is, can these uh, applicators get out there earlier, even though we're still in that no spread season right now? When do the permitted farms expect they will get some kind of uh, go or no go? I don't know if there's been discussions specifically with the DNR. Uh, We've had a couple representatives at our uh, meetings and uh, they haven't determined yet if they're going to... Now who's they? DNR, but uh, who's... DNR board? Or? Yeah, there would have to be a, a determination to, that these permits, because uh, there are uh, regional uh, water management specialists, yeah. um, animal specialists here in the around each part of the state, and they can't make that determination themselves, even though in their region they may be able to go. So there will have to be a determination at uh, DNR administration that these permits can be um, allowed. There's always some... Um, leeway there if storage is getting full if some has to go out then there'll be some some release of some manure that will will go out into those again those fields that are low risk runoff uh, this time of year so there's always that management out there anyway but right now i don't think the the storage from what i'm hearing from other uh, farmers is that their storage is lower than usual because they don't have that additional mm-hmm. snow and rainfall in them. but can they make a decision for these permitted farms on a regional basis or is it going to be a statewide no. blanket decision? Um, i think it's mostly going to be regional okay. i would think um but again i don't work for the dnr so that's kind of the speculation mm-hmm. but uh, that's why we let you in here <laughs> <laughs> So we'll see where that that leads. But I I would think if this weather, especially after we get through this cold spell, this couple days, and we get up into the 70s next week, I don't know, there's going to be some. And and one thing, too, with the the applicators and farmers that have to get these large storage units empty over a long period of time, it stretches out the season. They're not so rushed. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. It takes a lot of stress off the applicators. And if you can extend that season, uh, it makes everybody, I think, a little safer, too. Uh, You don't have that hurry to get it done. Who's going to be the first to spread oats, huh? 
Spacito it's this spring. It's uh, always fun to see gravity boxes in the corner of the field. Who's going to be the first on the lighter soil? There. We'll yeah. wait and see it. Yeah, and there's some test plots already going in in places just yeah. because they can. But yeah. I think oats is usually one you can uh, say you've planted in February. Well, they always it's been say done. the best oat crops got snow on them. Yeah, that's so right. we'll see. Hey, thanks, Jerry. Yeah, thanks, Bob. Jerry Clark, Chippewa Dunn, Eau Claire County uh, Agricultural Crops and Soils agent with us this morning. And we need to go to Sparta Equity and hear from Hut Eman. Fed cattle selling steady to stronger today, with the Highland Choice beef steers and heifers one eighty to dollar eighty eight. Choice and select beef steers and heifers one sixty nine to one seventy nine. Beef and dairy cross steers one sixty to one seventy five. Highland Choice Holstein steers one sixty to one sixty six. Choice and select Holstein steers one forty nine to one fifty nine with unfinished steers. Heifers and heavy steers a dollar four to a dollar forty eight. Cow market steady to stronger with quality beef slaughter cows up to a dollar thirty. Highland slaughter dairy cows one hundred five to one twenty five. Cutters and utilities sixty four to one hundred four. With the low yielding organic cow, 63 cents and down. Organic market today with the results from the February 26th sale. With the Highland Slaughter organic cows, 140 to 165. Thin and small organic cows, $1 to $1.39. With the organic steers and heifers, 150 to 170. Bull market steady to stronger. Most bulls bringing 115 to 130 with the thin. Full bulls over 2,200 pounds discounted at $1.14 and down. Calves sold by the pound today. With a steady market with the quality Holstein bull calves bringing four twenty-five to five seventy-five. Quality Holstein heifer calves two dollars to four dollars. Quality beef bulls six fifty to nine dollars. Quality beef heifers six to eight fifty. With the light and pork quality calves ten cents to two bucks a pound. Just a reminder: our next sale will be Wednesday, February twenty-eighth, starting at ten a.m. with fed cattle, followed by bulls, cows, and calves. This is Hot Aimed at Equity Livestock in Sparta with this marketing update, and we thank you for your business. Well, more markets. We've got to get over to the Equity Stratford barn. Jerry Fitzgerald joins us. Good morning, Jerry. Better have the wood pile fired up because tomorrow morning or tonight when you go to bed, you're going to stoke the fire. And a very good morning to you, Bob. Well, uh, uh, there is another option. We can just stay under the covers, but that's not really an option. So, <laughs> <laughs> No, you got to get up eventually. But uh, what's yep. going on? Are those prices holding this week? Yes, they are. And we'll tell the folks about it. Bob, thank you. And good morning, everyone. A summary from yesterday, Monday, here at Equity Stratford. We'll start with the cow market yesterday. Continues to be a strong trend on the cows. High-yielding, fleshy Holstein cows yesterday, selling from 107 up to a top of 127. Most of the cows we sold yesterday sold between 85 and 106. Thinner cows, plain cows below 85. Both trades uh, open up the week here on a lighter test on the bulls yesterday, but most of the bulls are selling from 110 to 122. Lighter weight bulls, 108 and below. We'll have an update on fed cattle a little bit later in the week. Most of those will be sold tomorrow, but we'll talk about the calf market. Again, a very, very strong calf market continues, folks. Uh, just take good care of your calves because they're worth a lot of money. Good quality, 9,230 pound Holstein bull calves in today's auction, selling from 300 to 600. Uh, up top of 650, a lot of bull calves yesterday, over $500, but extreme top of 650. Good demand on the heifer calves, 150 to 320. Beef calves, again, very, very strong. Uh, they're selling from 500 to 800 fancy beef calves up to 860 and they get a lot of those beef calves over 700 so calves are very strong we got to talk about tuesday today here and it's uh started 10 o'clock this morning hay and bedding auction folks we got a nice selection of hay today we got large squares of third crop we got uh large squares of second crop we got round bales of second crop we also have large square bales of wheat straw so a good opportunity to get some hay bought today get her loaded up get her home before the weather turns bad tomorrow and that'll be at 10 o'clock 11 o'clock will be the market 
auction. We do sell organic cattle this morning and followed by the market uh, cattle. And our feeder cattle auction this week, of course, per usual, is tomorrow afternoon at 1230. So, Bob, it's approaching the hour. I'll send her back to you. You guys enjoy the day. There you go, Jerry Fitzgerald over at the Equity Stratford Barn. Bringing us the market, uh, Board of Trade yesterday, we're moving out to July contracts. Now, it was higher, a big trading volume yesterday, but still, we're looking at some of the lowest prices in about the past three years. July corn this morning went up three overnight to 436. The oats at 359. July wheat up two at 579. Soybeans up 14 at 1169. And meal up 460 a ton at $336 a ton. Country elevators today. Corn and loyals at 354 with soybeans at 1066. In Arcadia, corn's at 372 with soybeans at 1072. In Chippewa Falls, corn's at 346 with soybeans at 1073. And Connorsville, corn's at 346 with soybeans at 1073. On the DTN screen at Golden Plump today, the corn will bring you 375 a bushel. At Baldwin, 348, the beans at 1070. At Durand and Fall Creek, corn's 343, beans at 1060. Mondovi corn, 348, beans 1065. Elmwood corn, 353, beans 1070. At Osseo, the corn is 358, the beans at 1070. Elk Mound, 353 on the corn, 1075 on the beans. At Sparta, 353 on the corn, 1065 on the soybeans. Ellsworth, corn's 340, beans 1060. Ethanol plants at Boyceville today, the corn is 368. At the Stanley and the Richmond facilities, 365. Barrel cheese traded five and a half cents higher, $1.67. Blocks up $4.59. Butter unchanged, two eighty-five. February class three down two at 1612. March up 27 at 1758. April got to $18, up 15 cents at $18 even. May at 1825, up nine. And June at 1860, that was up eight cents. Hey, don't forget today, the uh, one year celebration, House of Gouda in Eau Claire has been open for one year as of today. Big celebration over at the store today. So uh, come on over. We'll see you over there later on today. And again, it's just uh, the other side of the Oakwood Mall across from Applebee's Restaurant. Lots of great specials. And of course, lots of good cheese and a good day to get out. You've been listening to the Midwest Farm Report. Available at WaxRadio.com in its entirety every day. Brought to you in part by Bluff Country Feed and Seed and Montovi. On-demand content at WaxRadio.com.